Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Plundergrounds. It is February 22nd, and I believe this is the first podcast I've done in 2023, uh, which is inexcusable, but uh, I have been sick and there was a death in the family and I got all kinds of excuses. doesn't matter. We're here today to have some fun, and uh, we are going to talk about a variety of topics. We're going to talk books. We're going to talk art. We're going to talk um, Dungeon 23 stuff. And uh, some, I give some long overdue shout outs to a couple fans who've done some neat things for me recently. Um, so let's just get going. Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. <laughs> This is Ray from the future, correcting some mistakes. I refer to a cartoon called Primeval. Um, it's actually called Primal. So it's Primal by Jindy Tartakovsky. Um, the film Stalker that I mentioned is indeed by the director Tarkovsky. And uh, the book is by Boris and, oh boy, it's brothers. Uh, Boris and Arkady Strugatsky. And uh, I believe that's right. And then finally, I meant to mention more about Chris Shorb and Pink Phantoms podcasts. I have not actually listened to either of those. <laughs> I've been a little behind on my podcasting because I've been doing, or podcast listening, I should say, and podcasting because I've been doing so much reading and other work. Um, I, I've even been painting a lot. So I painted my team of halflings and my team of lab rats for Blood Bowl um, Skaven. So uh, yeah, so, so I've just been busy with other things and haven't been listening to podcasts, but I will definitely catch up to those and I would refer both of you their way. Um, I think they probably both have very interesting things to say and I look forward to hearing them. Uh, okay, that's enough of me cleaning up my tracks uh, back to your regularly scheduled program. Boop. We're going to start this show with a couple of call-ins. The first one from the artist, Andrew Walter, and uh, the second from David Johnston of Beetlenut Games. So here we go. They're going to talk books and a few other things. Hello, Ray. It's Andrew calling from the UK. Uh, just calling to say Happy New Year and good to see you back. Um, it's cool you mentioned Wolfbane. I really love that book. It's been a few years since I read it, but it's... Without spoilers, towards the end, that is one of the few classic pulp books that reminds me of the DCC funnel concept, the Dungeon Crawl Classics funnel, in that you've got a big group of very vulnerable, very out of their element humans um, in extreme danger in a big crowd. So I really like that. The other book with a similar feel to the end of Wolfbane, which I'm sure you've read and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have read, is... Um, Hot House by Brian Aldiss. Again, the big kind of uh, lemmings feel of a, a big group of out of their depth humanoids getting picked off one by one. Anyway, uh, yeah, Happy New Year and keep up the good work. Hey, Ray, this is David Johnston from Beetle Nut Games. Um, <clears throat> uh, I just wanted to thank you for the Isle of Ix. You sent, I, I'm assuming this came from you. It is. Um, it's incredible. I really, uh, I thought that that when you talked about it, it was a trifold, a little trifold adventure thing. But this is just way beyond and beyond above and beyond. It's incredible. It's a it's a beautiful book. Um, yeah, it's amazing. My, sorry, I got cut off. It's David uh, 
David Johnston from Beetlenut Games again. Um, yeah, the uh, the Pastel City was incredible. It was uh, really fun in that super delicious early 70s fantasy sci-fi kind of way. The world was really cool. Uh, that electro blade, the bond, that vibro blade, I made me wonder if... Uh, you know, um, George Lucas, when he created uh, Star Wars, had read that or or um, or the Gamma World or Metamorphosis Alpha, whether Jim Ward had had read read that book, because the, the it's so much like the lightsaber or like the vibro blade of Metamorphosis Alpha and Gamma World. Um, yeah, it seemed really influential, but completely unknown. And uh, it was yeah, great book. I'm about to get cut off again. Uh, I can say a lot more. Anyway, thanks, Ray. I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. I, it was it was almost a panicked I love you there. Like, and sometimes I do that at the end of a call, and I'm thinking, why did I say that? Like, <laughs> But you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you so much. Um, hey, uh, Beetlenut Games, like, I hadn't visited your site before, and wow, there's some really cool stuff here. Some really cool stuff. So I'm putting a link in the show notes. If you want to, it's got some free games. Uh, he's got one there called Micro Crunch that I looked at and another one that's a mini code book, uh, which has a bunch of little codes. So I, there's, uh, I don't know, six games there, something like that. Plus there's this really interesting uh, bibliomancer that um, is like um, Ask Zardoz style fortune teller. And you ask it a question and then it delivers you a snippet of a quote from a book that um, is, it does its best to relate to what your question was. And it's, it was really cool. Um, really cool. Although <clears throat> I'm getting a bone density scan today. No, no big deal, but um, uh, I'm getting one. I, my, uh, I take, I take an over the counter um, medicine called, uh, that's a, a meprazole, which is like Prilosec it's, uh, for stomach acid. And it kind of robs your body of magnesium and calcium and over time. And uh, the, uh, my doc went to bone density scan. Anyway, the point was I asked how my scan would go today and it gave me a, a very um, a cautious quote from Lovecraft about uh, someone feeling very uh, leery and uh, um, ill and think things feeling off. And I was like, great. <laughs> So good is a really cool site, but yeah, let's, let's talk books for a minute. Um, Andrew Walter mentioned, uh, Wolfsbane, which is a book I read, uh, early this year. So I must've podcasted once before, at least this year. And, uh, I, I just loved it. It's a great book. Um, just so full of wacky ideas. It seemed to like shift gears a couple times, all within like 120 pages. So really, really cool. Um, highly recommended short read from me. I'm, I'm just, I love short books. I love books under like 200 pages, you know, um, in audiobook form, they'd be about seven hours, eight hours, somewhere in that neighborhood or shorter, six to six to eight hours. You might call them novellas. I, um, I just love how concise and punchy they are. And that's one. Um, Hot House is another one. Now, I will tell you, Andrew, uh, that I have not read Hot House. I have been looking for a paperback copy of it for some time um, that is affordable. Uh, I am all about collecting mass market paperbacks these days. I just love kind of scouring bookstores and stuff for them and reading them in that format. And I actually have an Easton Press edition of Hot House, like a nice leather bound one that I'd be happy to sell or give to somebody because honestly, I'd, I'd prefer the paperback, <laughs> make a good trade with somebody. Um, 
but you know, it's just is what it is. I, I like the kind of utility and usability and whatever of a paperback. So as soon as I find one, that one is is on my list to read. I'm really excited to read that one actually. And uh, David Johnston mentioned, uh, I don't remember if he called it Viraconium or the Pastel City. The Pastel City is the first novel in the Viraconium cycle, and you usually find it collected as Viraconium. Uh, but I, uh, I haven't read much of the other books in that series. I should, but I did love the Pastel City when I read it as a, a teenager, and I still love it. It's it's um, not to everybody's taste. It has some kind of wonky, like a little mix of like some real world names and some other things that uh, make it kind of uh, sci fantasy, um, you know, mishmash that uh, that bugs some people. But I thought it was amazing. I thought the tone of it particularly was incredible. And um, yeah, he mentioned the the Bond, which is like a, a lightsaber or vibroblade. It makes me think also of the Warhammer uh, vibroblades that they have. Um, and yeah, it came out before Star Wars. So it does make you think, doesn't it? Was this just convergent evolution of ideas? Um, was it... Um, was it an inspiration source? I don't know. Um, I do know that the novel is cool. And if you like offbeat stuff, you know, like if you want to take your fantasy or your science fiction to a different place, then you usually get, um, these are two great books to read for that. I'd say Wolfbane is solidly science fiction. Um, Pastel City is, uh, Pastel City is really fantasy, space fantasy, maybe. Um, depends on how you want to look at it. Uh, a little more fantasy than Star Wars is for sure. Uh, so if you want to go, I mean, Star Wars is very much fantasy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it has fewer science fiction trappings. It's set in a very far future, post-apocalyptic uh, future. And so there's some remnant technology. So it's a little bit more of a, like a gamma world style feel, um, but that doesn't do it justice. Just a, a really crazy, cool landscape. I have uh, been reading and watching a number of things right now in that vein. Um, I watched the first disc of the Voltron series, which my son got me for Christmas, and I, I loved it. I, I love Voltron, even though it's kind of a monster of the week show. Um, the drawings are um, unpolished, but uh, really cool at times. Like they just have really cool ideas. There's a uh, the bad guy has a witch uh, that is his kind of like you know um, I wouldn't say flunky like a vizier, right? Like an advisor, and uh, she's often launching plans, and she will send these monsters out into space in these coffins, like spaceship coffins with a really wacky, like horned demon skull on the front. <laughs> and it's so cool. Like, it's just like, it's more like a, it's half missile, half spaceship, right? It just fires them off at the planet, uh, Eris, uh, where, uh, Voltron is. And so there's just lots of cool stuff going on there. Um, I Voltron, I think it was even a little after my, formative years and in, in cartoon watching. Um, I've been watching some Thundar too recently. That is more central, um, maybe even a little late. Uh, you know, I was growing up by the time Thundar came on, even though I loved it. Um, so I remember the precursors, I think, to Voltron, which is G-Force and, um, oh, Battle, Bet Battle Between the Planets, Battle for the Planets, something like that. And they, they were all, they're all very cool. They're just a cool thing to have on for ideas. You don't have to follow them too much. Although Voltron has more story than you give it credit for, or you would assume it does. Um, I watched Primeval, uh, finally finished the second series of that. I took a break after the first series. Um, 
and uh, for a while and wow that show is amazing i think it's kind of done in its two season uh sequence it's 100 percent worth watching it is violent um for a cartoon so expect that it's not necessarily something you'd want on with your kids in the room um but it's uh you know dinosaurs and kind of primitive fantasy that evolves into more of a um like pre-deluge maybe like bronze age uh uh you know, fantasy, um, with different cultures. And it's just really neat, really neat, mostly told without words, um, almost exclusively told without words, stories told without words, just visuals and sounds and structure. Um, and it starts to get really sword and sorcery around episode four. I think I mentioned that before, just great. Um, I watched the movie stalker. I've read roadside picnic a couple of times. Uh, I had never read the movie, but I was in a book auction on whatnot. And, uh, the, the guy mentioned that he liked the movie better than the book. And I was like, ah, you know, like I was, <laughs> I was taken aback. Now I still haven't seen the movie. I still like the book better, but the movie is uh, different. It's um, it's also really, it's like, it's, it's very Russian and very pensive and um, you know, cool. And uh, um, there's a lot of suspense and very little in the way of like special effects, which I think works well for the movie. Um, and uh, I thought it was I thought it was quite good, but it, it is different from the book. Um, enjoyed that a lot. That's a Tarkovsky, Tartakovsky. Tar, uh, it's getting it gets me confused because Primeval is Jindy Jindy Tartakovsky, and then Stalker is I believe just yeah. It's not I'll, I'll get them confused with Jodorowsky if I'm not careful, but I think it's Tarkovsky um, that did that one. And then I read uh, Up From the Deeps, which is actually the, uh, it was a 1953 paperback uh, that was a reader who was starting to fall apart. I actually put um, uh, uh, tape on the spine and put um, painter's tape on the spine to kind of hold it together because it was in pretty bad shape and re-glued it some. But um, it uh, is basically John Wyndham's Crack and Wakes, just under the American title Up From the Deeps. It was good. It definitely fits into that cozy catastrophe, uh, which is... The idea of uh, a, a world-changing catastrophic event, but told from the viewpoint of somebody who kind of has it together and uh, is able to find resources and, and is, you know, is threatened at times, but maybe doesn't experience the, the sheer misery of it in the way that you might expect, <laughs> you know, um, and has, has uh, companions and food and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, this one is told from the viewpoint of a journalist for the EBC, which is a, a, a competitor for the BBC. And his, his uh, partner, uh, love interest, and they, uh, who's much smarter than he is, and they are covering the, uh, the, the advent of aliens coming to Earth and dropping into the deepest parts of the ocean and then starting to invade U.S. coastlines. And it happens over a period of years. So it's got this kind of grand scope. Uh, it's very short uh, as a read. And there's a couple of passages that just I thought were very striking imagistically. Um, one is the attack of the coastal village by these uh, sort of trilobite tanks. And then and just the weapons used there are really cool and organic and weird. Um, and then uh, just uh, there's a kind of a vision of a London where people are trapped in upper store, stories of buildings and, and London is flooded, right? So rising sea levels. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. There's a really good radio play of it, a BBC radio play, which 
maybe in some ways is as good or better than the book. I don't, I don't know. I feel like the book might maybe was better. I've, uh, I haven't listened to the radio play in a while, but it is good. Uh, Crack and wakes. It's not my favorite John Wyndham, who I think is a brilliant author. Uh, Day of the Triffids uh, um, is better. And um, I don't, I can't remember if I've read or listened to Chalky and Chris Lids and uh, I don't know, a couple others of his. So uh, I'm going to be on a roll re- reading those in, in short order, I think. And then I read uh, The Bull and the Spear, the first um, of the second series, the first of the second trilogy of Quorum by Michael, Mike, by Michael Moorcock, and just loved it. I actually think I may have liked The Bull and the Spear better than most of the books in the first series. The, it's hard to put it up against the first book of the first series because that one was awfully good, too. But it's a little more grounded, you know, Moorcock as he goes with these things gets more and more drawn into the like parallel universes and eternal champion and, and, um, you know, uh, all these things that are, you know, planar um, uh, hopping and all this kind of stuff that he gets into. But I felt like the bull in the spear was grounded in a way that I really loved as a fantasy book. It's another very short read. Um, has some really striking bits to it. Uh, the a very odd, like it's not typical Edo fantasy, you know, not elves, dwarves, and orcs. It's got um, these kind of giants, frost giants out of limbo, kind of formless giants, and these uh, weird like zombie hunt masters and their demon hounds. It's got um, it's got a mystical bull. It's got all kinds of stuff going on. So it's just, it, it, wow, it had a lot of flavor. It took a long time to get going, but in a good way. Like I think the first 40 pages was a combination of prologue and setup, like for the narrative frame for the book. But I enjoyed every minute of reading those. Sorry, I have all my notifications and stuff on. I should have, uh, I keep saying that. I got to remember to turn things off before I cast. But yeah, it, um, great. Good stuff to read. Um, good stuff to watch. I will mention this. Uh, Andrew Walter is an artist, um, and uh, I think maybe David Johnson draws a lot of his own stuff, too. I haven't uh, established that yet, but um, uh, it reminds me of, I got a call from somebody. I actually got an email, I think, from somebody. I should look it up, but they were taking me to task a little bit for, uh, apparently, I got Brahm and Boris confused in my podcast on the Hildebrandt brothers. And that's obviously just a, well, maybe not obvious. I definitely know the difference between the two. Um, And if I mixed up their names, which I assume I did, uh, oops, you know, that's just because the the similarity of Boris and Brom. Um, I was probably talking about, if I go back, I think about, I might've been talking about the connection between Brom and um, Dark Sun right? Uh, so Brahms art was the primary inspiration for Dark Sun. Boris is mostly a, a cover artist um, from the 70s and 80s forward, right? Um, a lot of people know him, I think, because he did the poster for Legend. Is that is that right? Am I remembering that right? Any rate, um, Boris is obsessed with the human form. And uh, I like his earlier work a lot better than his later work, because I feel like at some point, the human form takes over and it becomes like a bodybuilding calendar with fantasy elements as opposed to a fantasy scene. Right. But if you want to see like kind of one of his classic covers, um, I think the, is it the lava light world by Philip Jose farmer, um, has two figures, so a female and a male on a branch of, uh, of a, a, like a dead tree branch. And they're both facing away from the viewer and there's a, uh, some kind of uh, like big hawk or something attacking them. And it's just, uh, it's, you know, it's classic. Um, he also did a gore cover and I don't know, a few others that I just thought were fascinating. Um, 
I think there's one called the demon in the mirror or something like that, where he shows that has a, a mounted female figure that kind of looks like red Sonya. I mean, just, he, but his, his bodies are great. Like his, his physique, he's, his wife was a bodybuilder and a model. He's kind of a bodybuilder, I think. Um, and they just, he understands anatomy to like, you know, to a, a ridiculous degree. And um, the other thing I, I really like about him, aside from his just really good anatomy, I think sometimes his anatomy is too good. I almost wish it was a little more, um, I don't know, imagistic as opposed to like, you know, um, <laughs> microscopically detailed. But uh, he uh, uh, he puts weird colors in places that I, I really like. Like he'll, he'll work blues into skin tones or um, just, I don't know, I guess this kind of pastel-ish like... Um, uh, I don't know. Pastel is not the right. They're more of intensity than that. I don't know what you call them. Colors that just very vivid colors that get worked into places. Uh, if you look around the painting, you can see him laying in interesting colors and in interesting places, I guess. And that's the, what I would note. that and his, you know, anatomical um, skill is what I would note about him. Even his monsters are pretty good. Um, there's a, a painting he did that has a winged like hell made in it. Um, like a, a harpy essentially. And uh, I don't know what it was for, but I, I always in my mind uh, attached it to uh, the second of the Chronicles of Amber's novels, The Guns of Avalon, because there's this meeting between one of the brothers, uh, Benedict, and this Hellmaid. And I don't think it's accurate to the book, but it just always worked for me because uh, uh, Boris also did the covers for the two version or two book science fiction book club edition of the um, Chronicles of Amber, the first Chronicles of Amber. Uh, which also isn't totally accurate to the scene that he's depicting, but also is, wow. Sorry, we're getting, we're getting hail here in San Diego. It hit my window and I was like, what the heck? Just one rush of it. That's really strange. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. That was, that was very unsettling. Um, but it's, it's also really cool. Like it's somehow fitting, but not fitting, right? Like it's not accurate to the text, but it has the right feel to it. So Boris is great. Uh, Brahm is amazing. Uh, Brahm is so good, but at the same time, I feel sometimes like he's cheating. Like his figures are never finished. He, he always puts a mask over them or like does something where you think like, I, I wish I, I wish once in a while he would just draw an entire person. Uh, but still just incredible. Who am I, you know, who am I to talk? He's amazing. Um, so yeah, Boris and Brahm, a great combination to look at. Maybe one of these days we'll, uh, talk about them in a little more depth. Uh, I'm going to take a pause here while all hell breaks loose outside. Well, now it's moved into super heavy rain. I don't know what's going on, um, but never fear, folks. It's San Diego. It'll be sunny here again in about an hour. Uh, <laughs> I'm just happy to see some rain. It's nice. Uh, just with a little shock there. I wasn't expecting that. Well, uh, we've got a couple more call-ins from podcasters, from uh, one from the Pink Phantom and one from Chris Shorb, and uh, with a couple of other ideas. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing. So I was really happy to hear uh, David Johnson talk about getting um, the... Isle of Ix. Uh, yeah, David, it really was just two trifolds originally. It was called Mutants of Ix. I think you can still get it on DriveThruRPG for free or for almost nothing. Um, uh, I had those trifolds in a mailer ready to send you and realized that it was going to cost me so much to send them my mail. I might as well just order something for you that was more worthwhile for the same amount of money. Maybe a little more money, but that's not the point. It's not about the money. I, I've got enough. I mean, you know, nobody has enough, but I've got enough for something like that, surely, without... Uh, thinking much about it. And 
So I just sent you, I, I, when I was researching uh, if anything had come out of Mutants of Ix, I found out that it had been turned into a book, The Isle of Ix, and it's a beautiful book, um, cloth bound, you know, sewn, um, you know, with, uh, with uh, cool drawings by um, Carl Sternberg and, uh, you know, nice, clean, fun rules. And so, yeah, uh, it was my pleasure to send that to you. I bought a copy for myself at the same time. We got them about the same time. And uh, I'm glad to hear you were, uh, you know, kind of blown over and or excited about it. Uh, hope it gets to your table. If not, I hope it serves as some inspiration for you. I was happy to send that. Uh, my apologies to the few of you that I have not sent zines to yet. There's two of you that have um, oversized that I needed bigger envelopes for. I've got those now. And then there's uh, three of the four are overseas. And I'm just going to have to, I, I just have been dreading going to like figure it all out at the, I would try to do it online and there were custom forums and stuff. And I know that's just weak of me, but um, I'll, I'll get it done. I'll get it done. Uh, <laughs> you'll eventually get your zines. I'm so sorry about that. Um, but yeah, now, now onto these uh, call-ins from the, uh, a couple of podcasters. Hey Ray, the pink phantom here. I also saw that, that tweet about dungeon 23 and uh, found that very and very interesting idea, and I'm I'm going to be following that. And I've been kind of digging around through my sort of resources I have available to see what I have that would help me participate as well. I'm still still digging. Don't know how that's going to go, but uh, excited to see somebody else talking about it in the the sort of anchorverse sphere here, and uh, look forward to seeing seeing how things go with you. Ray, it's Chris Shorb, and wanted to touch base on a couple things. First of all, uh, I'm glad you were happy to be nominated for that Ian World Best Podcast of the Year. That was me who did that. My handle on Ian World is Eyes of Nine. Funny story. Someday maybe I'll have to uh, share with that somewhere else. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that that made your day or made your minute or what have you. Um, I don't listen to a lot of RPG podcasts, but yours is one I continue to subscribe to and, of course, clearly enjoy. Other thing, I did want to touch base. I guess this is all promotion of me, but I have my own podcast that I've started. It's called Into the Maze. I've got, I did a bunch of episodes in 2021. Not super happy with the quality of those, and they were, um, but they're okay. Uh, but I'm doing more episodes now around Dungeon 23. And that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be doing a few, I hope. Anyways, take care. Thank you. I am going to try to not talk about Dungeon 23 in every single podcast this year, but it may be difficult. Um, it is exciting and fun. I'm actually, for the first time, a couple days behind um, <clears throat> because uh, I had just a very busy weekend and I'm trying to prep for GaryCon. But um, I, I'll get back to it shortly. I may be like only two or three days and that'll take nothing. I'm usually two or three days ahead. So I figure <clears throat> next time I get a little creative burst, I'll catch up and or go get beyond. Um, it's very easy to keep up with if you have, um, if you just do the journal entries, right? A couple sentences, a little sketch of a room, you're done. And uh, it doesn't always have to be brilliant. I'm probably putting a little too much. I mean, I think everybody does this, but puts a little too much pressure on yourself to always be interesting. And, uh, but yeah, I've got, I'm working hard on that. Now, having said that, there's lots going on. Um, my dungeon has, um, you know, there's been an invasion of lava worms that have uh, bioengineered 
engines. There's a cult of three-armed priests and their slumbering overlord uh, called the Custodian. There are silent bird folk. Um, there's an angry tribe of undead fish people and a suspiciously friendly ogress to deal with. Uh, <laughs> all all, all uh, in my dungeons at this point. And um, issue one, I at the end of January, I put out in PDF form. And I even got a chance to play test it with my son and his friends. And uh, we had a great time. Uh, the first group died, uh, I think, by room two or three, um, you know, tangled with the wrong stuff. Oh, I, no, actually, it was they got about four or five rooms in uh, and tangled with something they obviously should not have tangled with. Um, I made it. I tele, you know, telegraphed it as many times as I could, uh, and they knew it. They were just, they loved to just push buttons, right? And so they got wiped and uh, immediately rolled up a new party and, like, you know, came back and saw the the remnants of the old party and things like that. We just kept going. Um, and the second one was uh, uh, much more successful, and we had uh, just a ton of fun. I was really happy with how things worked out. They didn't get all the way through the first level, but the uh, what I found is. I expected there to be, you know, two or three quote unquote, like story arcs in that first, um, first level, meaning there's like, depends on how you loop through it. You'll get different, uh, obviously different sequences of events out of it that kind of add up to an, a memorable experience. <clears throat> there's no story story. I just, it's a scenario, but, um, but the way you insert yourself into it, it's going to automatically generate something, I think, where you can put a little, put, you know, a few elements together to kind of make a, after the fact, make something out of your visit uh, to tell a memorable story. And we did that. It was really cool. So I just tossed out a bunch of uh, a bunch of classes from OSE and from Carcass Crawler uh, supplements. Uh, so OSE Advanced and Carcass, Carcass Crawler supplements and just uh, had spell books printed out for the, for the classes that have spells. And just, uh, you know, they had never played. They're mostly 5e kids, right? And many of them had never played uh old, old D and D. So I, uh, just got really excited and I ran, I said, hang on a minute. And I ran upstairs and brought, when I was prefacing the adventure for them, I was telling them about the rule set and I ran upstairs and came back down because they had some friends who kind of poisoned them and said, Oh, you know, have fun with Thaco and all this kind of stuff, which I was doing sending out armor class. So it didn't matter. Um, and I came back down, uh, with, uh, uh, let's see, I brought down, uh, my own little soft cover compendium of, of original D and D the three, the little back, little br uh, brown books, plus the expansion expansions. Um, that's something I did through Lulu. That's probably not totally ethical, but I did buy the, the box set at one point of the original uh, and paid ridiculous money for that, uh, for the three little brown book reprints, you know. And uh, so then I, um, and I, so I brought that down. I brought down uh, Holmes Blue Book Basic and a Moldvay Cook Basic Expert books. And I brought down the original um, AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide, Monster Manual, and Player's Handbook. Did I bring anything else? I think that was everything I brought down. And just kind of spread them out and told them a little bit about the history. Um, a very short, you know, just say like, okay, this was first. And this, you know, and then in 1977 and then 81. And just like very, very simple. And uh, they had a blast looking through, um, <laughs> looking through. And I, I make sure to show them some of the elements that made it not kid-friendly, like, you know, the, this, uh, uh, bare breasted succubi and things like that. It said like, this is why my mom burned these books, you know, like a couple times, like I had to keep rebuying them, um, <laughs> or hid them from me or whatever. I, I lost at least two sets of AD and D books to my mom. And, um, 
yeah, we lived in fear that she'd see the the uh, uh, bare-breasted harpies in uh, in the my Holmes Blue Book edition, which I don't think is in the first printing. I think it's just in like the second and third. Anywho, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was really fun introducing them to it and having a good time and doing the just the quick characters and making it all about the kind of questions they asked and like you know what the, their intention was and and uh, having some. Uh, fun with the rules and all that. And we had a, we had a great time. So if you're interested, uh, go check that out. Let me see. I, I'm going to see how the downloads are doing. It looks like, uh, all time at this point, uh, just 184 downloads and 530 views. I haven't done much to advertise it, honestly. So that's not bad. Um, but yeah, go there and get it. It's free. Um, you can pay me something if you want. That's great, but don't feel obligated. Um, and if you do pay me something, just a buck or two is fine. Don't, don't go crazy. Some people have been paying me, um, like, uh, really fun and gratifying amounts for some of the things that I put out there recently. And, uh, while I really, it does make my day, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy that. Um, it's, uh, it's not, you know, anytime somebody puts in a buck or two, I feel anytime somebody downloads it, I get a thrill, right? Uh, I just want it out there and people having fun with it. I just, for me, it was the act of creating it that, you know, I've always said, it's just the, the act of making that makes me happy. And then if other people enjoy it, I'm also, that also is a second level of like bliss that I get out of these projects. Well, so that is out there for your, uh, for your gaming fun. That's, uh, was put out there at the end of January. Um, I don't know if I'll get the second issue out by the end of February or not. I've been working on art and everything with it and typing it up as I go, but, um, it may not be as fast given that I've got Gary Khan coming up, uh, a little distracted and it's just been kind of like kind of a rough month. My, um, to be frank, my mother-in-law died unexpectedly earlier uh, in, well, later in January. We had just been up there for Christmas and had a great visit with her. And I don't want to get too into it, but it, it was a blessing, but it was, it was also very fast. Um, and uh, so she was looking at years of nursing home without knowing where she was and all that kind of stuff. And it just, it would have been, um, it was just better this way, but it's also uh, very uh, upsetting. Right. And so um, just to our schedules and to our mindsets and to our, to our health. So then I got sick and my wife got sick and um, probably COVID. I, I know my wife's finally tested and hers was COVID. Um, I'm not sure if the thing I had was COVID and I gave it to her or not. Um, we're both vaccinated um, and, you know, being careful. So anywho, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been, um, you know, hectic, but also I've been like, sometimes I'm best when I'm busiest. And so like, it's given me a chance to maybe rise above a little, um, and get some of this stuff done. As you can hear, I've been doing a lot, um, having a lot of fun playing my Monday night games with my friends. Um, and where we continue in the world of Agarta right now, we're playing a night watch group that is, it's kind of like Hill street blues meets fantasy. We're having a good time with that. Um, JJ is running that. That's really good. So, that, that's been great. Now, uh, I wanted to give three shout outs. One is uh, to Joshua Skelton, who back in Zine Vember made a little graphic for me uh, called Let Rufus Pick. And it basically you roll 2d4 and it would help me pick a zine for people who were said they were undecided on just like, give me any zine, right? <laughs> but mostly what I love about it is that, the, I mean, it's a great idea, but it just made me happy to see um, a version of Rufus uh, the rest monster in digital form. And so it's really cute, really cool. I just bought some stickers today with my own drawing as the logo, uh, or, you know, my own logo drawing, because there was a deal on the sticker guy. I think you could get 50 stickers for like 20 bucks or something and like a hundred for 30. Um, 
So I grabbed some stickers to hand out at, at Gary Khan and maybe I'll send you all some. Uh, but uh, I may also do some with his graphic too, because I really like his his graphic. So thank you, Joshua. That was very kind of you. Um, this kind of stuff really deserves more shout outs than I give it. I'm not good at this, um, but I truly appreciate all the, you know, whenever I get fan love, it, it means a lot to me. Uh, emails, um, anything like that. And I apologize if I don't always get your name onto the air. Um, the next one is that uh, Sean Madero uh, went and coded a version of the Oracle, uh, which is my own little uh, take on Mythic GM and solo gaming, you know, oracles um, that you can get at itch.io. I'll put a link in the show notes, but his his uh, click version of that on the web is great. You can run it on your phone or whatever. It's amazing. Uh, it's exactly my rule set, just, you know, put to... Um, put to code. And um, yeah, you can have a lot of fun with that. I think if you're playing solo, I still like using dice, you know, I still like my little pop-o-matic and the little booklet and everything. There's something about the physical that I like, but I could totally see using that, uh, you know, if I didn't want to bring something with me um, or if I'm just kind of playing with it without writing things down or something. So yeah, that's cool. And then uh, Bob, the world builder, who's quite a well-known uh, YouTuber talks about D and D stuff all the time. I remember watching some things of his when I was looking at uh, running the the um, the box set, the second base uh, BX Essentials, not BX Essentials, Five uh, E Essentials. Uh, ran that book over the summer for <clears throat> some kids and uh, from young adults, I should say. And uh, yeah, I remember watching some of his stuff to kind of get prepped. And he's he's a really good presenter. And uh, he brought up Gygax seventy five, and I thought he did a, a, just an excellent job with it. Even though he skipped my favorite part, which is the dungeons. Um, <laughs> and I, even though I haven't gotten, I've got a new edition of Gygax 75 on my hard drive that cleans things up a little bit, makes it a little bit easier uh, pacing wise. Like, it, uh, but, um, I haven't got that out there yet, uh, which I sort of regret not doing before he did this series, but that's, it's not a big deal. I mean, I like the one that's out there. Um, so Bob, uh, did a, a YouTube on Gygax 75 and it resulted in 2000 new downloads. Now that product uh, I hesitate to call it a product. I didn't have, I actually just, it's there for free still. I've always had it for free, but I did give people the option of tipping me something, you know, so it's a pay what you want now, including, including $0. Right. Um, and some people have paid me like, you know, 12 bucks for this thing. And I, that's amazing. It's like so flattering at the same time. I kind of, you know, I'm like, Oh, please don't pay me that much. Like <laughs> four or $5 would be amazing. $2 is great. You know, a uh, dollar is super cool of you. Um, and zero is perfectly fine. Uh, so, uh, uh, but I hope people are enjoying that and uh, send a message out today to everybody who paid for it and I've already gotten some responses back. So people seem to be enjoying the, the, the creative spark that that gives them. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's been amazing too. So hey, that's all the news I think I have to talk about for now. There's other things I want to talk about, but this podcast is going to go too long otherwise. Um, been a joy to get back on the mic, and I need to get back in the swing of things. So hope, hope to be doing some weekly podcasting from here, and uh, just enjoying my creative nerdy life, and I hope you are too. Um, and until next time, look out for those rust monsters. Ha, 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 ha,